You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Welcome to Locked On Hornets, a live edition, emergency pod edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Because Woj broke it first, the Charlotte Hornets quick to confirm Michael Jordan reaching an agreement to sell a majority stake of the franchise to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall. I'm Doug Branson of EveryHornetsBoxScore.com, alongside friend of the show, family of the show, and my co-host for the upcoming uh, Locked On Hornets live draft special, David Walker. Uh, David, this settles it. I don't think Michael Jordan's coming back to play for the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> well, I mean, you never, never say never, Doug. Um, with this would be the first step if he wanted to do it. Uh, you, he would like, have to, yeah. you know, you know, he would have to relinquish uh, probably all of his share of the Hornets. Um, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, we're going to get into a lot. We want to do a little table setting, kind of get some details out there. The Hornets have a release, but then we've got a lot to talk about. We're live on YouTube right now, so if you have questions, throw them in the chat. I am uh, checking this out uh, and will be responding to those throughout the show. And then uh, I want to kind of go into what it means short term. So we're talking like Mitch Kupchak, the draft, free agency. Uh, We're talking Steve Clifford's future. And then I also want to talk Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. I mean, we got to talk about that. But then long term as well. We got to get into what this means for Charlotte's presence in the NBA, of course. Uh, So let's start with some details, David. The Hornets released a statement uh, that Chairman Michael Jordan has reached an agreement to sell his majority stake in the Hornets to a group called the Buyer Group. Good, great name. It's the name of the group. I mean, what else could it be? It feels like they all got to the bank uh, to do the deal, and someone at the bank said, okay, and the name of the buying group. (laughs) the or they just group. put that on there and they never changed it. They just left it. Uh. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to this later. And they're like, yeah, forget it. Just go with it. Um, so this buyer group is led by two individuals, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall. Uh, Plotkin acquired a minority stake in the Hornets in 2019, along with Dan Sunheim, who was also part of this group. And it was reported at the time, and I don't know what Plotkin's individual share was, but it was reported at the time that that was a significant, whatever that means, minority stake um, in in the program. And so now they have upped that to a majority stake um, in uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so Plotkin has been an alternate governor since 2019 and is the founder and chief investment officer of Tallwoods Capital. So an investment capital a, a hedge fund manager, essentially. Um, and he's also joined by Rick Schnall, who had was part of a minority group that had ownership of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, you know, we'll have to find out, is he is he still, can you do that? Can you own two pieces of two franchises? That doesn't seem like a thing that would be a thing. No. Um, also in this group, uh, Chris Shumway, Dan Sunheim, Ian Loring, Dial Home Court Partners, which is a financing tool, a liquidity capital thing that the NBA established to help groups like this buy more of a franchise. So, you know, they it's hard. Like we're talking about, and I saw Stein throw a number at Mark Stein throw a number out there at three billion dollars. I mean, yeah. this is this is big money, okay? And it has to be liquid money. You can be rich on paper, but you got to be able to go to the bank and and you know get this group together to say, all right, we're going to pull together three billion dollars. T- 
tough to do unless you are one of these people that are just super, 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 unbelievably, absurdly wealthy people. Um, otherwise, you have to put these groups together, and there are these um, arms of capital uh, that the NBA yeah, has established. And even then. <laughs> yeah, even then, you got to have help. <laughs> Um, also the name, the names that people are throwing around that are a little bit more interesting in this group are, uh, North Carolina native recording artist, Jay Cole, who has been around this franchise. Like, like he and Nelly have both been around this franchise, although Nelly not listed here. So, um, I don't know if he still has a piece of the Hornets, if he's still one of the, uh, 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 minority partners. And then also country music singer songwriter, Eric church, everyone, Eric church, ladies and gentlemen, now in the ownership group. What do you think about those names? I think this is a good move. I mean, especially like, uh, now those aren't specifically tied to Charlotte per se, but definitely some North Carolina roots, uh, both two basketball guys. I mean, Jay Cole is one of the league leading scouts, uh, for unsigned players, as we know, you know, Kurt directed, uh, uh, Caleb Martin to Miami. So maybe, maybe that, maybe that he can help the Hornets in, in that, in that form. But, uh, no, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Cause as you said, it takes a lot of people to, to be involved and to pull that money together. And I do think, you know, we'll get into a little bit later, but MJ was obviously face of the franchise, uh, tied to the region and, and, you know, so we'll see how, how involved those two, uh, recording artists are, but, uh, you know, it's a cool throw in, I think for the region and for the team. Okay. So let's talk about, I think what people are most, most interested in, and that's how this is going to, if the timing of this, how is this going to affect, uh, the upcoming, uh, the free, both free agency and the draft, the decision that they have to make, they have the number two overall pick. Is it going to be Scoot Henderson? Is it going to be Brandon, Brandon Miller? <laughs> Before we ever got on here to do this live show, we released an episode of the podcast that literally dropped. I hit send just minutes before Woj made this. That's report. what they were we waiting talked. for. They were waiting for you guys. All right, I here know. we go. Well, Woj has got his people <laughs> monitoring our houses, waiting for us to drop this news. Yeah. Friday news dump. Fridays are going to Friday. They're undefeated. Never lost. Um, and the John Morant news also dropped, but dropped after the MJ news. That's a news dump. That's inception went, news. It dumping. went lending tree, RIP lending tree. Uh, well, thank you for your service. That is, the lending tree was lending tree clearly in it for the MJ, by the way, they wanted to meet MJ <laughs> once a year. And once that was done, they were like, all right, we're not going to be on the Jersey anymore. If, it, if we're not alongside MJ, we're not interested. Yeah. So we're getting, we've got news dumps on top of news dumps. Uh, Michael Jordan reportedly, is going to be involved in the basketball decisions around the NBA draft around free agency, because this Mm -hmm. deal still has to get approved. Now I don't expect any hiccups in this deal. I mean, the NBA and the board of governors, they're going to want to check the money. They're going to want to make sure everybody's anting in, you know, but I don't, I think this has been a, a long process. It's not a surprise. You know, if you're just tuning in, we've been talking about the potential for the sale, and none of these names are surprising. The celebrity names are fine, but but none of the big names are surprising. Plotkin, right. Schnall. So they've been working on this for a while, and I think this is a, a bit of a formality, I's dotting, T's crossing, okay? But it is going to take some time, and until then, you've got a leadership group in Jordan and Kupchak that are going to be making decisions for this franchise that could affect this new ownership group. That's what's really interesting. What's also interesting, David, is that Plotkin is involved. He doesn't have it. I don't know that he has any real basketball uh, decision-making power, but maybe he has a little bit more now that he's going to take the team over in a majority sense. What do you think? Well, yeah, and you would think 
they you know had a seat at the table or have been in some of these meetings or will be in some of these meetings around the draft and regarding who they would like to select i mean do you think that's why some of these workouts were closed off i i don't know maybe maybe not uh but you would think they're definitely going to have some input but i mean mj mitch and the team who have been doing the work are still going to be the main voice in the very, very short term, right? Like through next week, even into the summer. I mean, that core is still going to be the main decision makers, it feels like. But it's certainly if you're plunking down, listen, we watch succession, right? Uh, if, if guys are, are willing to strike a check, they're going to they're going to be in the room in, in some form or fashion. Uh, that's right. And and I yeah. think there is going to be a little bit of motivation to take care of the franchise. I've been begging Mitch Kupchak and company, you know, I just want you, you know, just hands it 10 and two. Don't wreck the car. You, this is a loner now, you know, uh, don't don't mess anything up. Return it without a scratch to this new ownership group. And, and I think, you know, there's going to be some motivations there. But it is interesting. Anytime you have a group of people making decisions, future decisions, that aren't necessarily going to be as big a part of the future because we don't know what the future for Mitch Kupchak is. No. Um, we don't. We do know, based on reports, that Michael Jordan will have uh, still be an alternate governor. He's still going right. to have a stake in this team. It's, but I think it's going to be more of a financial stake, not necessarily a basketball decision-making stake. Although we don't know. We don't know. We don't. We know. don't know. But I, I would, I would venture to guess, just based on. Michael Jordan's, um, I would say, interest in being like sure. hands-on involved with the team, it peaks up, it, it perks up at, at certain points in the in the decision-making process, like draft and free agency. But overall, I would draft, say his interest yeah. has waned a little bit. So I think if you if you're an alternate governor, it might even wane a little bit more. He's been Could very be. interested in being involved in the NBA, but not necessarily like the Hornets day to day. Right, right. If I had to guess, Doug, I mean that will remain the same. I think it behooves the NBA. You know, and Michael and the team um, to be involved with the over with the, with the broader uh, view of the league and and the NBA. I think they'll still want to have that in place. I mean, uh, I was listening to um, FNZ on the way in. Brett Jensen reported he had heard all the way through and expected it to be a forty nine percent ownership. You know, so it's going right under the line to um, alternate uh, governorship. We'll see how it shakes out, but it's not like he's going to be the GM. Right, they're not going to put Michael Jordan in charge of basketball decision making, uh, per se. Right, uh, he may still have a a a hand in things like the draft and free agency and things like that. To what degree, who knows? Uh, but, but I mean, right now he will. But moving forward, I think he's still going to be a part of the Hornets' overall organization. Perhaps he's a face of the franchise. Perhaps you know uh, they still they still bring him in when they want to, you know, make a big deal about something. We don't know. Well, look, 49 is right at the line, David, yeah. but it's not 50. It's, it's not, not 51. And that means that whoever has the 50, this is succession, by the way. It is, can the group all come together and overrule <laughs> Michael You've Jordan? got the votes. If you don't have them, you're out. <laughs> if you don't have the votes, that's right. But th it does mean that if everyone wants to overrule Michael Jordan on a decision that he feels strongly about, they've they've got the the stake. The buyer group can come in and buyer make those group. calls. But maybe he just needs one or two. Maybe he pulls one or two over to his side. You know, we, <laughs> you never know. This could get. I, I, mean, I think we need a documentary team in there uh, to to do Succession season uh, five or whatever they're on. Um, so here's here's the thing. I think typically when new ownership groups come in, it's not great news for the current general manager, Mitch Kupchak. Or coach. Um, 
who we were already a little unsure about his future in prior years. And then we got, you know, got the news that he had been um, extended, but there weren't a lot of details around that. And so, you know, I can't imagine um, that the, this new ownership group won't want to come in at some point and clean house essentially. Right. What do you think that means for Steve Clifford, who we're, we're pretty late in this process, right? I mean, would, yeah. it, would a coaching change make sense at this point? Uh, well, ironically, it's about the same time of year last year when Kenny Atkinson accepted right. and then stepped away. <laughs> so the yeah. timing's not unheard of. Um, but but, you but there's know, no backup so to the backup. Cliff, Clifford was the parachute. There's right. no right. if the if the he's our, he's our guy. Right. The, here's the thing: if the parachute fails, you go to the backup parachute. That's Steve Clifford. If the backup parachute fails, you're, you're slamming into yeah. the ground at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> It, it feels like right now at where we are in the NBA year-long season, right, uh, continuity would be a plus uh, wherever they can have it. And that's what the other thing we don't – we just don't – I mean, it feels like at this point these talks have been going on for the better part of a year. I mean, right, if you think back to when Mitch was – and I'm speculating. I don't – we don't know for sure. But, I mean, the whole Mitch continuation or contract extension that was just kind of – thrown out there um at the time you know who knows what talks were going on then what things they saw coming down the road you know what i mean um this season was already just on the court last offseason and this season has been a whirlwind and and it's certainly a journey of trying times for everyone um so i, I mean right now it just feels like you know they'd have to you're talking about going through the draft going through free agency going through summer league and piling on top of that, building out a new front office and coaching staff. It feels like a lot between now and, you know, October. That's uh, let me go ahead and play the music just so we're safe. Okay. Cause we're going to do a lot of speculating yes. over the next, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, 30 minutes or so. So and again, we're just speculating here, but this is experience speculation. Okay. Now we're safe. We can, we can continue to speculate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't think it's good news for the front office. I I'm with you though. I think it's a little late in the process because again, this all has to get approved. We don't know what that timeline is going to be like. We do know from the reports that Michael Jordan is going to uh, be in charge through at least the free agency period, which is, you know, beginning of July through question mark. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think it would make sense because all the, all the good names, well, Kenny Atkinson's still available, <laughs> but all the good names are, are, have been scooped up by other teams. So it, it wouldn't right. make much sense. Now, I'm not saying it's an impossibility, but I think if you're this new ownership group, you would be smart to retain Steve Clifford for one more season because you have flexibility in his contract. If you want to move on after that, then you can, but he has a good relationship with the players. I just think it would make a lot of sense. Let's shift to the other thing that people are interested in, the draft. How do you, how do you think this affects the decision that they have to make, which has essentially come down to Scoot, Brandon Miller, who are still, as far as we know, set to meet with Michael Jordan uh, on Monday. Uh, right. uh, Fisher report, Jake Fisher of Yahoo reported that. We talked about that on the actual episode that we released. Uh, or trade the pick. How do you think all of this influences that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's just such a short window. Uh, it doesn't sound like this sale or everything would be tied up by the draft. Uh, and like I said, it's not like these talks have not been ongoing. It feels like whomever was in place 
during the workouts, during the interviews, during this whole process. They knew. That's probably right. Well, because exactly. Scoot, Scoot, Scoot almost leaked it. Asked about Scoot's it. team yeah. almost leaked <laughs> the, the, the confirmation of the news. I mean, there were, you know, he was saying that he's interested in the prospect of joining Charlotte the new- and, and the new ownership group. And everybody was like, <laughs> Okay, well, we've kind of heard that, but uh, right. we didn't know that, that was a done deal. So, yeah, I mean, it's obvious, and I think I've re- uh, read some other reports as well, that they were telling both uh, camps, Henderson right. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Miller, hey, you know, just know this is this is coming down the pipe. Is it pipe exactly. or is it pike? Is it coming it's down pike. the pipe pike. or is it coming down it's the pike. pike? It's pike. Now, what's that? What's What's a pike? Uh, well, now you get one free answer. I'll come back <laughs> okay, to you. Go save, on. That How do you the, think? save that for the live draft show. Okay. But um, here's my, so, here's, so I don't I'm, think, so I don't think it's a big change. I don't think it's a big, you know, they're not, you don't think this, lanes. okay. You don't think this influences the idea of trading that pick for like a big contract. Cause I think this actually well, would so, like you, if you're the new ownership group, well, you want those books as clean as possible. You want the slate, like you want to compete, obviously, because a winning team makes money. Okay, yeah. but you, but you also, you know, I don't think you want Bradley Beal's contract. I don't think you want Zion's contract. Oh, away from trading, you're saying? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Moving yeah, away yeah, from okay, trading okay. for a giant contract. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that was the one. That was one of the questions I have: is how fast and how severe does the new ownership? syndrome take hold right like how how do they want to make a big splash do they want to bring in a big name with that big contract um you know with some of these guys having experience in the nba it feels like they are you know versed in in those type of things and and what that might do and and as to your point looking at the books so yeah if there's one option that i think may be out the window i guess you would say the trade uh, but then again, if they wanted to make a big splash by bringing in a Zion, they really wanted to do that kickoff next season with LaMelo and Zion, you know, I could see it going the other way, but I think however they were leading, however they're progressing down this draft road, they'll continue to do that due diligence. I, I just, I don't think at, I don't think with, with this news coming out, uh, any more, you know, any more weight is put in any one area. You know what I mean? I think the work that was being done will continue and this getting out there, I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on exactly what they do on draft night. Yeah. And I think people will overestimate the influence that the new ownership group will have. I think Michael Jordan still owns the team. Okay. And he's still the decision maker. He is still the decider. And Mitch Kupchak is still going to run that war room. And they're not going to, I think they're going to run it like, Hey, I'm going to make the best basketball decision because these, these characters, they take a, they take a lot of pride in what they're doing. And MJ's still going to be here, right? By all accounts, in some form right. or fashion, his yeah, name yeah. is still going to be tied to the Hornets. And you can't tell me uh, some of this, a, a good bit of this, is say, yeah, I, I'd still like to be involved. I'd still like to be connected to the franchise when and if they ever do turn this thing around. Uh, and if it's the guy that I helped choose, you know, that comes in and sparks a change, e- even better. So uh, I think there's still motivation for him too to positively impact the, the team. Okay. Um, uh, we've got a lot more to get to. I want to talk about the long-term impacts of this decision. I want to talk about why Michael Jordan is doing this. And we've got David Walker, who really is our show's resident Jordanologist. Um, you've been a fan of Michael Jordan for a long time. You've been paying close attention to his uh, career as a player yeah. and as a front office uh, person and now as a uh, owner of a NBA franchise. And so I want to get your feelings on that. Uh, and how this has all developed historically. 
But first, I want to go to the chats uh, because people have been blowing it up. Um, Nick James says, don't mess it up on your way out, Mike. I think that's going to be the overwhelming sentiment of this news. And again, is, right. And again. Please don't do anything disastrous uh, before this new ownership group takes over. Right. But and again, he's still going to have an office in the building, guys. I don't know if I don't know if he'll be like Coach K and keep his third level floor all to himself. Uh, but I think he'll still have a key to the building. You know what I mean? Uh, 12B here. I do know what you mean. 12B mm -hmm. here saying, Topo from Rip City. We have had, David, we have had so many fans from Portland, some Blazers fans, some oh, Charlotte welcome. fans that are in Portland. I swear we get comments every day from Portland, New Orleans, all the Love people Portland. pecking, pecking, pecking around the Charlotte Hornets Love in this draft. Their fans have come to check this show out. I say, welcome. But just keep your eyes off of Scoot. Keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. Eyeballs down on the ground. Don't even look Don't at touch. Scoot. <laughs> look at Scoot. Okay, but ser seriously, thanks for watching. Um, let's see, Kevin. Are they still signing Miles Bridges? Okay, I didn't even have that in the rundown, but yeah, that's an important one. They've they've got two free agency decisions, right? Miles Bridges, restricted free agent, and they've got the free agency for PJ Washington as well. David, I'll throw that to you. What do you think this means for either of those decisions, which should be helmed by Michael Jordan and Mitch exactly. Kupchak? Right, exactly. I mean, if we're still saying these guys are carrying through free agency, then it sounds like to me, you know, whatever the thinking was going into this remains pretty much the same. Um, obviously, you're going to have some new voices in the room. If Eric Church, you know, feels like PJ is not developing <laughs> fast enough, uh with that corner three you know it may be a good a different direction but uh yeah i think mj and mitch and, and and you know that's another reason unless like unless these guys have already had conversations right doug like unless they were talking to bob myers for the last two months and being like now listen bob as soon as this goes through pack your bags you're no longer a west coast guy you're coming to charlotte or hey you can still <laughs> remote work is in now bob you could stay on the west coast <laughs> and just zoom into charlotte whatever you want to do um, unless that's the case, um, you know, I, I still think however they were working this thing and however they were building it would would uh, would continue to be. But look, new owners, there's there is a certain unknown when there is a majority new voice in the room. There is a certain unknown, but at the same time, we know who's making this decision. And that group has really in, in every way that they could without getting in trouble signaled that that retaining miles bridges oh, yeah. is going to be a priority and all, all, honestly also PJ. for pj washington now, i think there are some financial realities around the pj washington deal that may prevent it from happening but i don't think it's gonna going to have anything to do with new ownership and we also have to mention this that, that let's talk about who they're selling to Ma mainly the two names at the top of the list plotkin and schnall these guys are our finance guys they're in the world of investment capital and hedge funds i say that to say this i don't know uh, I'm not going to like speculate on what Plotkin's like morals are, or what Schnall's morals are. Okay. But they're not selling to someone like, you know, Gail Benson, who is the owner of the new Orleans Pelicans, who is very, right. very vocal about her beliefs and about her uh, um, emphasis on integrity and morality. And it's what is leading people to speculate that Zion Williamson might not be long for new Orleans because Gail Benson doesn't want to put up with that. I don't get the sense, without knowing for sure, I don't get the sense that that's going to be an issue for Plotkin and Schnall, who have spent their lives focused on making money. And if they feel like, if they feel like Miles, retaining Miles Bridges is going to make the franchise money, 
then then I think they're going to do it. However you feel about yeah. that being what it is, that's just sort of my read on this situation. So I wouldn't take, I don't think that this new ownership group is going to come in and go, hey guys, that's going to be too big of a PR hit for us. So don't do that. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. Just like if they, if Michael Jordan had decided not to sell this, this organization was going to figure out how to sell that to fans. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Um, uh, you just, you, we, 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 there's a lot, of, there's just so many unknowns. You know, uh, you talk about making money, though. I, I did, you know, the, the numbers are getting floated out there. It sounds like MJ is about to net $2 billion uh, off the sale. Cool, $2 billion. Like so, you know, that's that was a, that was a good look. And uh, I was also reminiscing, or I should give credit to Brett Jensen and FNZ. Again, they mentioned this, you know, when he was first involved in trying to get a uh, majority stake, uh, he went to people like Oprah and Tiger. <laughs> yep. And he was... And and they they said no, and and so you know MJ can now go back to them and say you're welcome, Nelly, and uh, I told you, uh, Tiger and Oprah. Well, we we have to point out the significance of what happened today. There is only one um, black owner of a professional sports franchise, and that was uh, it. It formerly was Bob Johnson who owned the Bobcats, and then sold right. to Michael Jordan. And so now, um, while he'll be an alternate governor, now we return uh, back to a situation where there are uh, no black owners of sports franchises. And, and not that Michael Jordan buying the team or Bob Johnson buying the Bobcats or, or owning the Bobcats when they got the franchise expansion, not that that ended that conversation. It just started right. that conversation. But that conversation now, uh, we, we, we get to revisit it. Um, and and w with the understanding that there needs to be uh, more because uh, so many of these professional franchises um, are represented from a player perspective um, and not from an ownership perspective. And, and I'll just say, um, you know, we can talk about memories of the MJ era here in a bit if you want. But I would think, oh, yeah. at the top, at the very top of that list is the the the, the overwhelming uh, positive impact he made in the Charlotte community, the yes. Wilmington community, the North Carolina community, the NBA community. You know, and and the good news I think about this is I don't think this sale will affect any of that. I mean, you know, he's still going to be involved in the Hornets. He's still going to be able to provide uh, philanthropically. Uh, here and in other areas. And so I, I think that is a big passion for him. He has done a lot of things that do go under the radar. He, he did that well before becoming a part of this ownership group through uh, Nike and, and specifically through his, his Jordan brand, uh, promoting executives and bringing people along in the leadership roles in that company. And so I, I think one of the highlights of his time here as uh, majority owner of the Hornets was all he did, the voting at the arena, you know, um, the, the solidarity stand that he made with the league during the the, the, the first All-Star game fiasco and the bathroom bill and all that. And so, like, he's just done a ton of stuff that should rightly be recognized. Uh, we all know it's about the performance on the floor. I don't think it measured up to his expectations or anyone else's. Uh, but, but to me, I think if you're looking for something that should stay consistent in a good way, I think it's his impact in the community uh, and surrounding areas. Um, in total agreement there, and I think it's why it's important that he's still going to be – to me, this is best of both worlds for Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. He gets to be alternate governor. His, his, I, again, I think his relationship with the team 
let's let's this is actually a good segue and i do want to answer some questions on the chat because i think there are some really good questions but this is a good segue into talking about how we got here okay so for those that don't know uh, michael jordan almost got a piece of this team before they were ever the bobcats but when they were the hornets right after he ended his basketball career he immediately started looking at opportunities to get into the league as uh, both a front office person making basketball decisions, but also getting a piece of a team. And he was in talks with George Shin to take a piece of the Charlotte Hornets as that whole situation was starting to unravel and move inevitably, it felt inevitable anyway, towards a breaking up of Charlotte and NBA basketball and that team moving to New Orleans. Had Jordan taken a piece, uh, then I think th- that mm-hmm. team probably stays um, in Charlotte. Um, and maybe he plays. Well, there you go. And then you would have had the whole, you would have had the Wizards thing in Charlotte. It would have been a completely different reality. But do you, do you recall, David, I do, do you recall why that all broke down? Why Jordan didn't end up doing that? Oh, gosh, I do, but it's not coming off the top of my head right now. Well, it's because he wanted to be in the front office. He wanted to have basketball decisions mm. and that group – uh, because by that time, George Shin, I, I know, I, I hope I'm not boring anyone with this history. I find it extremely mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. But George Shin had brought in this guy, Woolridge, Ray, Ray Woolridge, oh, yeah. who had connections to New Orleans. Okay. So that whole, he really, you know, helped push that move. But but he had taken over some, some of that and didn't want to give up a lot of that control. And Jordan wanted really full control over the basketball operations. And the Hornets were not willing to do that. And they, so they said, you know, be gone, Michael Jordan. Yeah, great move, George. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, so Jordan goes on, of course, and, and gets the Wizards um, front office gig and then eventually um, gets gets a piece of that team. All right, so fast forward to 2006. Michael Jordan gets a minority stake in the Charlotte Bobcats, gets some front office control, exactly what he wanted, but under Bob Johnson. Then he buys the team in 2010 outright for $275 million. You just mentioned, you know, he's probably going to clear a $2 billion profit. How we got here, I think we got here in two ways. Uh, uh, one, you had recent sales of the Suns and the Bucks yeah. that set the market price, okay? And so once that market price gets set, other people go, ooh, I would like, I would like some money, please. And so um, it, that, that seems to be a motivating factor. But also I think, you know, Jordan has taken some other interest in like a racing team and other things. And I think the losing has taken an effect. Like all it takes to put a winning team on on the floor, it hasn't been as easy. Maybe as he thought it was, or maybe it was exactly as hard as he thought it was, but it hasn't yeah. gone well. Um, and so, you know, he sold that minority stake in 2020 and now um, is giving up a majority of the franchise. So that's that's the yeah. history, David. What do you think about all that? Yeah, and I think, you know, we can dive into the psyche that is Michael Jordan. None of us can really uh, walk in his shoes, although we do try. But, um, you know, I think there was definitely, I think his biggest frustration from day one to whenever this sale goes through or whenever he leaves or whenever he continues on doing whatever he's doing is that he could not directly impact the game in the way he could as a player, right? Yep. And and especially these great, great players. I was just reading uh, Larry Bird's book that he wrote when he was coaching the Pacers. And even then, this is like the, around the time that MJ retired from the Bulls the first time, Bird was talking about how frustrated he was with that era of player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a growing sentiment. And it's not like it's a secret. I mean, you hear retired guys all the time kind of, 
pushing back on some of the new era of NBA players. They're not playing enough, da, 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 whatever. I think there's a piece of that. Like there's some frustration, um, which I think is why he likes to be on some of these conversations with new players coming in. But some of the best stories and memories I'll have of his time here in this role was when he used to go out there and practice with the team, right. which sounds crazy. Like it's never that, that when will we ever see that again? I guess maybe if LeBron brought, buys a team, right. but he used to go out there and, and probably humiliate some guys as like a 50 year old, right. you know, and, and, and tried to hang on a little bit longer to some of that and, and put his imprint on this yeah. and do what he could. The talent just was never there. Um, and you know, I well, he think takes some right. responsibility for, you know, I think people oh, yeah. listening are going to oh, go, yeah, Hey, yeah, yeah. He's got some responsibility for that. He was in control of the team. Oh, yeah. He could have made moves. People, the allegations of him being uh, cheap started very early in this process. Uh, you know, when when they were when he took the team over uh, in 2010, there were there were people were like, "Hey, are you going to spend the money uh, required uh, to make this thing happen?" And, and he was having to answer those questions really from the jump. And I don't know that that his actions really answered those questions in a kind of significant way, but you're right. He had a much more direct line to the players. He had a much more direct line uh, and, and a visible presence that doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's rooted in the losing, but I think it's also rooted in trust. Um, he doesn't talk to the media anymore. He doesn't believe that they're going to get the story right. He, do, he, you know, he got burned by the Charles Barkley thing, uh, you know, yeah. telling essentially telling him he was a bad owner on TV of the Charlotte Bobcats so, you know, there's plenty of reporting on why the Hornets, if you go down the sort of media guide list of names that are in the executive suite, okay, yeah. you don't have to play seven degrees or six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You don't have to play six degrees to figure it's out. One, it's one hallway. It's one, it's, a, it's, it's family or it's UNC or, yeah, right, or it's family of family. Like, it, it, you know, the ties are pretty clear. So I and, think, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, and that's a big reason that we've talked about some of his struggles. And I think it's from a standpoint of him being guarded, right? Only bringing in people that not necessarily are total yes men, but that he trusts with his whole picture, right? With everything they're doing, people he knows that he can trust, people that are on his inside, uh, you know, inner circle or, or, or right just outside that inner circle. And so that is a thing that I think will absolutely change. Obviously, you're talking about front office, not so much coaching staff, but I mean, uh, you know, within the building, we'll see. But I mean, I think that's been a big part of it. It was a big piece that, you know, big reason he brought Mitch in um, and Mitch had the gravitas and the experience, I think, in the NBA to kind of straddle that line a little bit, you know, maybe not as much as some people would like. Uh, but it certainly brings an NBA resume from a GM office standpoint. And it matched up well with MJ still trying to keep that, you know, you call it whatever you want, call it UNC. It's a big part of his life, but call it people that he's comfortable with having around. Well, it's important to know too, that the people that are coming in, I mean, other than Gabe Plotkin having been, you know, around this team for a while, don't have those Carolina connections. Gabe Plotkin, exactly. Richnall, uh, Jay his, Cole does. The same, right? I mean, the same, right? Like, you know, Whitfield was, I think, a Nike Jordan guy. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, he was bringing in people with the utmost trust. Yeah. And we should note that the celebrity names are going to get a lot of attention. But, you know, like Jay-Z and the Nets, you know, when you look at the actual percentages, you know, it's 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 most likely, oh, yeah. I don't we don't know, but it's most likely these celebrity names are going to be pretty, maybe le less than a percent 
of of that overall um, structure. But uh, hard hard to say right now. But that's that's my guess. Um, let's go back to the chat, and I think this is a good question for what we've been pecking around right now. This is from Vapor Fox Twenty Five. Is this a net positive move or negative or too early to tell? So what do you think? New ownership group, majority ownership group, new decision makers, net positive, net negative. Yeah, I mean, the one negative that's hanging out there that is the unknown is, um, you know, does this increase the chances for a move at some point? You hate even to bring that up, Doug, but obviously uh, with, with MJ being here, right, uh, right, with MJ being here, and that's why I also think it's good he's he's, he's going to still have a stake, right, or still be involved right. uh, and has put down roots here. Um, so I think if you're looking at it right now, I think to your point, Doug, it's probably the best of both worlds. He's stepping back a little bit. He can take some of that, hopefully take some of that heat, you know, maybe off himself and, and just say, hey, you guys run this day to day. Happy to come in, give my two cents or put things when I want to. And it, it gives hopefully what you're hoping is a, some shot, of, a, a shot of life into the front office, yes. how they approach things, the PR, yes. how they deal with yes. the fans, how they deal with the community, how they yes. deal with the media the uh, here in Charlotte and otherwise, right? The, the checkbook. checkbook. The, the, the Open the checkbook. Staff. Open right. the checkbook. Right. Yeah, no, this Some, is out Someone to that's me. not Michael Jordan was probably going to be more willing to spend, whereas he's like, okay, show me something first, guys. I built a franchise in Chicago. I did all this right. stuff. These guys don't have to worry about that. They can go right to what's going to make us good. I think this is going to be an absolute net positive in the short term. In the long term, it's a, it's too early to tell. It's a bit of a question mark. So in the short term, I think this is going to be a good move because you are going to get not only an injection of new ideas, you're going to get an injection of investment. You're probably going to get a new general manager. Could that general manager be, I don't know, Bob Myers? He's out there. He's done some good stuff with Golden State. That's a name. You know, you're going I think these people are going to cast a wider net than we've seen cast before you're going to get names of people hopefully that are the best talent yeah. out there to make these decisions and hopefully it means more risk now i know that scares some people but i i think this team could stand to be a little bit riskier and i think to be a, a little bit more creative in and how they perceive the ability of this team to improve it's been one of my big gripes for the past couple of years i didn't feel like Mitch Kupchak, and I thought this dripped down from the top. I didn't think that Mitch Kupchak really got on camera and said, hey, we're the Charlotte Hornets. We can win a championship. I'm going to tell you how, and um, we're going to do it, and I believe that, and, and we're, we're, we're going to stop at nothing to make that happen. That kind of energy has not existed, and I think the fans understand that. The fans feel that, whether they even know to express that or not. They feel a sense of irrelevancy. They feel a sense of of a little bit of nagging hopelessness. And I hope all of that changes with new voices because they're going, I think when you take over a team, you're going to feel this need to set, to reset. Okay. Let's reset. Doesn't mean reset the roster because they've got a lot of young talent, but it means resetting the ideas. And I think the fans are going to, hopefully they'll respond to that um, idea because long, I think long ago, the mystique, the power that comes with having Michael Jordan, the name, own your franchise has dissipated. When he stopped showing up on the sidelines, when he stopped showing up to practices, when he stopped talking to the media as owner of the, of the Hornets. 
all of that is dissipated. So I think this new group has carte blanche to come in and say, okay, we're, we're changing things. And nobody's going to be like, well, that's not how MJ did it. Everybody's going to be like, yeah, that's not how MJ did it. <laughs> well, and that's why these introductory press conferences and, and, you know, how they handle this transition, I think it's going to be fascinating. You know, what is said, what's not said uh, by the, by the new leadership coming in, who's present at those um, introductory press conferences and resulting press conferences and communications and stuff like that. I mean, the bottom line is, Doug, anything could happen. They could have been having talks. They could have their eye on a, a young coach who's out there and, and, and not working or, or, or is taking a year off or, you know, whatever. I think anytime something like this happens, everyone is on high alert. But to your point and, and what we've been discussing is, like, this is not a surprise probably to Steve Clifford, to Mitch, uh, certainly not to MJ, like to anyone. We, you know, uh, was it Fisher who reported there were rumblings? Of, of staffers being like, we don't know what's going to happen this offseason. Right. Uh, so, and if it wasn't Jake Fisher, I apologize. But some of these, uh, you know, draft blurbs that have come out, they've mentioned that. And, and, and this, you guys have been talking about this since what? Last year? Certainly since January, the yep. possibility of the sale. So, like, um, on some level, there, there may be some preparedness for this, but we just won't know until, until the deal is signed. Absolutely. Lots of comments coming in. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the long-term impacts, the move, because you've got a lot of people with questions in that regard. Does this, does this mean that a move away from Charlotte is imminent? You know, there have been lots of rumblings around the NBA moving back to uh, Seattle. Uh, there have been a lot of rumblings about a possible franchise in Las Vegas. LeBron uh, retirement. Is he going to step into an ownership role and bring a team somewhere it's much easier to move a team that's already established than to start that franchise anew. Um, so could could that happen? Um, it is important to note that they have a lease uh, with the Spectrum Center through 2045. That was signed uh, pretty recently, and some big plans are afoot for a new practice facility that is alongside yes. that lease. But let me let me let me throw a butt in here though, okay? And I said this, the, I say this every time we talk about this, okay? Just because there's a lease, it doesn't mean anything. Leases can be broken. Uh, things, uh, contracts can, they find a way when there's enough money and enough motivation and a big shiny new stadium somewhere else. Somehow these things figure themselves out. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a uh, an imminent thing in the short term. But to say that this doesn't mean that that's now a possibility or more of a possibility to me is naive. Well, look no further than the last time it happened to your Ray Woldridge came in, you know, and that's super simplifying it. Like there was a lot of steps that right. then had to continue to go on the, down the road that led them uh, to leaving Charlotte the first time. But again, that's why I think it is important and it is good that Michael Jordan still has a, a spot in the building and an office in there and a voice if he's got 49%, he's going to have a voice uh, in some of these meetings. Um, and I just don't see him wanting to um, do that <laughs> to this area, quite honestly. I think it would just be something that that would uh, really, really, you know, you've said it before, it would probably kill the NBA in Charlotte. I know it would for several generations. You know, whether it would permanently, I think is, is certainly possible. Um, so I think Michael, I, I wouldn't think he would want to do that. Again, I think he's giving a lot back to this area, and I think he would do 
everything in his power to keep it here. So, so in my eyes, it's very good that he's staying on for that uh, specific purpose. Who knows, you know, if those talks have come up, I, I would hope not because if, if it hasn't come up, then that would mean it's, it's maybe not on, certainly not on the horizon, but, but you just never know. Do you think that this is the end of, does this represent the complete end of Michael Jordan as the owner of a sports franchise? Or, or is this, do you think this is a temporary stepping back, stepping away? Or do you think that someday in the future, short or far, he finds the love again? Like, for An example. NBA franchise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, for example, if the Charlotte Hornets draft Scoot Henderson and Scoot ends up leading them to an Eastern Conference Finals, maybe an NBA Finals in five, six years, uh, you know, at, alongside LaMelo and, and whoever else they have at the time. I mean, do you think all of a sudden uh, Michael says, well, let me, let me scrap around for, a, for another Billy, for another billion, and see if I can just get this, get those 2% back? I mean, unless, you know, some of his business team says there's a really good opportunity. <laughs> or, hey, you know, you know what? If LeBron calls with that Vegas offer, uh, you, know, you know, the stars could align there too. But look, he's already got his race team. Uh, he's on his fishing boat in Wilmington, uh, this weekend. Uh, he's got multiple billions of dollars to play around with. Um, you know, pickleball is huge right now. Wouldn't be surprising to dip his toe into that, uh, area and maybe get a team or two. So, you know, it feels like this has been a long 13 years, uh, for him. If it, it, it's, it's wild to think it's been 13 years where he's had, uh, you know, ownership or control of this team. But it feels like uh, getting back to what I was saying, just about like, you know, the current players, it, it, there, there seems to be some level of exhaustion. If you're just looking at it from not quite being around as much, can't get out there and practice as much, not as at many games, not here and there, you know, smacking Malik Monk on the head may have been the, the beginning of like, <laughs> what, what, what are well, these now, guys? No, now you, you, I don't know if that was joking or not, but I think it it is no. a serious point, and you made it earlier, but I think it's worth repeating. And I think something is worth watching if you really want to kind of get into Michael Jordan's head a little bit. He And I've posted it uh, before on the community page on YouTube, but it's an interview that's on YouTube that he did with cigar this like, aficionado. This cigar aficionado, right? And he sits down in this guy's humidor or whatever, and they're they're having rare cigars and drinking very expensive liquor, and they're yeah. talking about basketball and why and he, and and part of the conversation is him extolling why he decided to get into the front office and get into ownership. And part of that motivation for him was to, as you said, influence a team on that level, influence players of the future. And, and I think you're right that. He got into it and went, ah, these guys aren't like me. Uh, yeah. But this is this is the trap for anyone and no one that was, is but... super talented, super great at things. We talked about this on the full episode that we did earlier. Michael Jordan's, I think, one of his issues in evaluating talent is that guys that are great at things have a tough time understanding what makes someone great because they were – they were born great. They worked on it for sure, but there's something ephemeral. There's something they can't describe that's going on there, and they and they chased that. And I think they have a hard time evaluating if somebody else has that or not. And, you know, I think a lot of the failures of players that have been drafted by this team that have not worked out 
have been centered around mentality. It's been less injury and more your Frank Kaminsky's, who Jordan was reportedly high on. Your Frank Kaminsky's falling apart mentally and 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 confidence-wise, and Malik Monk doing Malik Monk things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think those have been probably frustrating for him on the basketball end. Yeah, and I'd love to see, I'd love to hear someone in the NASCAR world kind of explain to us, because I think he's had certainly more success there, I guess you would say, however you measure that, um, than he probably has on the basketball court, just as far as winning, however, you know, you stack wins up in that world. And, you know, in that world, you, you got a driver, you got, you got cars, you got uh, engines, you got crew chiefs, you got crews, and basically you can throw money uh, and testing and all this other stuff at whatever problems you have. Um, not to say that it's easy, but when you're putting together a basketball team, and let's face it, they have had some bad luck, you know, Anthony Davis. <laughs> uh, they have not had a lot of good fortune. What? Uh, this year is one of those times, and that's why it's so important. But, you know, it just so happens when they've been in these positions, they've, they've, they've missed uh, rather than hit uh, when they have been in, in a position to, to make an impact. But they haven't gotten a lot of luck in that, in that, um, in that instance. And so it's just, it's just interesting to see where he chooses to, you know, spend his time over the next, you know, decade or so. Uh, it certainly feels like he's, navig- he's, he's leaning over to that NASCAR world. Uh, he's got the golf, you know, he can do whatever he wants, but again, it's good that he'll still be involved. It sounds like they want to, you know, still have his name out there tied to the franchise. Uh, and I don't think it's the last time Adam silver would call him. Like, I don't think if something happened, if something were going on in the league, you know, I, I don't think that line well, of communication is shutting down. That's important. I think that to me, that's why this is the best of all worlds for MJ because he gets to step back, but also keep his foot in the door of NBA decision making. Of you know, when 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 we're doing CBA negotiations in however many years, five, seven, whatever the next CBA is going to be signed, he's going to be part of those discussions. He still gets to be a face in the league. He's still involved, and I think that's yeah. super important to him. And I think the story of this is that that became more important than the actual you know, day-to-day operation of a NBA franchise. And yeah. so, you know, now, now the priorities I think are going to be set um, correctly. So uh, we got a couple of technical questions here. Z birdie um, saying, how does one man owning 49% not have more power than multiple people owning 51%? Now Z birdie, I'm not an expert in how these contracts and how these groups come together, but what I would assume is that the buying group, the buyer group, as it is so named, um, has 51%. It's not that Gabe Plotkin has this much and Rick Schnall has this much and J. Cole has this much. And now they probably have certain, um, th- there's probably certain financial realities that, that mean you get a certain amount back if you were to sell that piece. There are probably percentage breakups. But I think when it comes to decision-making, the buyer group probably, if this is being led by Plotkin and Schnall, yeah. Yeah. They're probably going to be doing all the decision making, like it's within J. Cole's. Voting, right? Yeah, I don't think J. Cole's going to be necessarily voting on the day to day decision makings that are happening. I mean, I think you're going to see Plotkin and Rick Schnall be the representatives of the team, and, and they would get the decision making power here. Yeah, that'd be my guess as well. Um, we've got more questions. People joining late, just wanting to know, you know, how is this going to affect Mitch Kupchak? How is this going to affect the draft? Uh, just to uh, reiterate, um, I think, uh, you know, you and I are both in alignment that 
This probably doesn't mean great things for Mitch Kupchak's future with the organization, although we're unsure when that cord gets pulled. You know, I I would I'd say probably sooner than Clifford's cord. Like if you're going to make a move, because once the once the draft and free agency end, there is a bit of a lull, you you know, now scouts are doing scout things and preparing for the future, but you, you could make a move at that point and bring someone else in to handle trade deadline that's going to come up you know, next February, like there's going to be a, a, an amount right. of time there that you could make that move reasonably. And whereas a coach, that's going to be a tougher, that's going to be a tougher sled. You know, if you fire a coach right, right before you're gearing up for the season, that's that, that would be seemingly yeah. more ill-advised. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly tied, you know, they're certainly tied somewhat together though. So, you yeah. know, uh, whether it happens at the same time or, or whether it's staggered or, you know, no, who knows, but we would not be shocked. Right. If, no, if this no. happens, right. And, and it becomes official at the end of July. Okay. That, that seems early, but if this becomes official at the end of July, like would, I don't think either of us or Walker mail would be shocked if it was a full cleaning house and these guys had been talking to certain names, coaching names this whole right. time with yep. somebody waiting in line to come in and take over as soon as this, as soon as the ink met the paper. Okay. That would not be shocking. Uh, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Steve Clifford was retained at least for a year, uh, but we'll see. Um, so while I search for more questions on the chat, I just want to go into a little bit of feelings here because you are our resident uh, Jordanologist, you've got the the Jordans behind you there in the camera shot. Um, you love the shoes, you love the man, you love the game, you love the player. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about the owner or the front office uh, person, but how are you feeling now that Michael Jordan won't be part of just sort of your daily thinking when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets? Although well, that'll never stop. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, <clears throat> initial reaction to this was a little bit of sadness. <laughs> Uh, because you said that I enjoyed having uh, MJ as the owner. I enjoyed having him be part of our uh, NBA franchise in Charlotte, but the 49%, you know, involvement, if that is true, you're holding on to it. Well, holding well remain. I think it's it's good for him. And I think it's good for the, like I said, the city and the team as well. Um, But I think your point of maybe the best of both worlds is now what I'm gravitating towards holding on to because I, I know there was a, a great amount of frustration from him, from the fans, from the team, from the community, from the media, like from everyone involved. There was a reset. There was a a, a um, you know a, a recalculation that needed to be done almost from the top down uh, in this team and this franchise, right? And, and we're looking at it right now. This is the most heated debate around the draft that I can ever remember because of the spot they're in, because of the, the players that are involved, because of the noise coming off Twitter. And there's a real possibility that come next Thursday, a very vocal portion of the fan base is, is really upset mm-hmm. and mad. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how that will carry in into the next season. I think it'll probably be fine because people will cool out. We'll watch something like or whatever. Right. But this team needed <laughs> a kick in the butt. This fan base needs a shot in the arm. These and, sickos. And, yeah. And, and I think that a change can oftentimes bring that around. And if you're going to keep MJ involved, you know, keep the Jordan apparel in the team store, keep oh, the releases there. Good point. You know, I, yeah, I is, that, is that going to, are you going to hold on to that? Cause Jordan brand 
was a big part of everything that went into the team yeah. store and I, and all I, I would that. imagine that would stick. I mean, look, the guy still got his logo on all of the jerseys in the NBA. He's not going anywhere. Right. You know, I want to go back to something you said that hit with me. It is sad, and I'll say why it's sad. It's sad because this had to happen. Mm. It, it's sad because we all feel like this is the right move. And yet we do, I think, it, for most of us that have that have grown up in, in North Carolina and, you know, Carolina fans or, or even Duke fans, or just all fans of Carolina basketball and the prestige that comes with that, have some esteem for Michael Jordan. And I wanted this to succeed, but I knew it wasn't going to. And honestly, if the Hornets, I'm a sicko, so I believe they'll win a championship someday. If Denver can do it, if Milwaukee can do it, Charlotte can do it. Sure. And if they win a championship someday, it's going to be a little bit like when we see Adam Silver hand the trophy to Gabe Plotkin. You know, it's not going to be the same to Rick Schnall. It's not going to be the same. Whispers, it whispers into the ear. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Which one is it going to be Schnall or is it going to be Plotkin that pulls the Kroenke well, and just gets way too close? If, there, if there's knows? any justice, it will be MJ, and then he'll call Mitch down, and then he'll pull Steve out of the audience. <laughs> yeah. Is it, well, that's the thing, though. Is is yeah, sure. Well, Michael Jordan. That's what's going to be interesting. If the Hornets do find some success, is Michael Jordan going to be content to play a, a back to be in the back seat, hmm. right? Because Plotkin and Schnall are gonna they're gonna hand those guys the trophy. Okay, I know people in the chat right now. Like, you guys are insane. The Charlotte Hornets can't even win a playoff series. I have to admit, I had, that was not my first thought when I heard this breaking news. <laughs> you didn't think about. I dreamt that. You know, I, I immediately I took a nap before we did this live show, and and in my dream, it was Adam Silver handing Gabe Plotkin the Larry O'Brien Trophy and Michael Jordan um, just kind of standing in the back like that. I can't even get my mind around that, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice for, you know, Jordan to recreate the Larry O'Brien, you know, hugging the Larry O'Brien, but as an owner, like all of that would have been super cool. And we don't get that. But again, we recognize, I think most of us recognize like this, this wasn't working. It wasn't going to work. And we needed this change to happen. Yeah. It's also sad for the people who just like to blame MJ for everything, which I guess they could probably still do. Uh, They'll blame him for 49% of things. Exactly. (laughs) exactly <laughs> that's right but a lot of people in the chat are saying hey look that you know michael jordan think what you want to think about the decision making the draft picks the lack of not spending on the basketball stuff but he did do a lot in the community i think we have to recognize that and i hope honestly i hope it continues because if yeah. it doesn't continue you know then i'll get a little cynical about it honestly if it doesn't continue i well, hope he's look, still active scandal free i mean yep. the well, best not only scandal owner, free not only scandal free they've ever had well, not only scandal-free, but he uh, navigated this franchise through scandal, as you mentioned, yeah. the bathroom bill, losing the All-Star weekend. He navigated this uh, franchise through that in a way where you felt proud to be yep. a fan of the team. Now, there's some certain things that have happened recently where you felt less proud, and one wonders if that's going to continue or not. We'll see. Um, and maybe and, – and, and I've thought about this too, like, you know, having that – having all of that happen and coinciding with Michael Jordan taking a step back. I don't, I wonder if those things are connected, you know, if maybe if, if Michael Jordan were really like super involved and wanted, you know, was, was really had a handle on this team. Would all of that, um, would all this be happening? I don't know. 
that is a great point right well that's a great point but you think back to uh the robert sarver stuff right he it's it's rumored right that that was the next line of communication that adam silver was going to go to and like i i hate falling back on the the trope that you know mj doesn't care about anything because it's not true he's done a lot of stuff behind the scenes but he's not a guy that puts it out on front street you know he never has been uh which is fine uh but you just wonder in the environment and the climate we're in there's just stuff seems to pop up a lot every day uh and i don't know how how often like silver's picking up the bat phone to go directly to mj he, he definitely doesn't have the main number he's definitely got like his, his his second motorola down the line right but how off how how much does he want to be as a majority owner yeah the guy they they always have to go to you know, first in line of the Hornets. But people should understand this. They, they can't understand what's happened today without understanding that Michael Jordan, when he took over in 2010, did put it out on Front Street. He put it out on Trade and Try, and he had Rick Bennell and other media members in his office to take pictures and, and have a long interview about what he was going to do to make this franchise a winner. That oh, yeah, has yeah, not yeah. happened in years. So that that's what I'm saying. Like, he that, that that's when I say he's pulled back. That's part of what I mean. Uh, oh, I mean, like on the larger spectrum, just what it means to oh. be an owner and the most visible owner and the most yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah. He's owner. not Mark like, Cuban. Well, he and he never has right. been Mark Cuban. Right, right. He never has been that figure, even though he was more open to talking. He never took that approach to it. You're right about that. Um, but this is the news. This is what we're doing. This is how the team is moving forward. Still, a lot of questions. You, you can't love the timing of this. Whatever you think about it. Uh, this is two straight off seasons now that have been rocked uh, by changes, uh, by question marks uh, all around this team. Um, it's not. This is not stability, and and maybe that's another positive too. That that, that maybe we'll go another off season or two without you know earth shattering news to deal with as the Hornets approach um, the NBA draft. It's going to be very interesting. I implore you to subscribe to us on YouTube. Set your notifications to on. Set them to Stangin so that you can be alerted when we go live. David and I, and Nada Edwards, friend of the show, fam of the show, former co-host, and he's uh, the producer of the Ion College Basketball Podcast, so we're really excited to have uh, his expertise on the table. We need his college takes. We've got a fancy studio. I want to release some pictures on Twitter next week of uh, the set. Um, I'm really excited to get to Charlotte. Um, and be a part of that. Maybe in Brooklyn. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving it the weekend. Come if I don't on, get credential by come Monday. On. You'll do anything to avoid. You're like these draft picks. You'll do anything <laughs> to avoid coming to Charlotte. <laughs> well, you know, they moved my, uh, you know, they moved Midnight Diner. That made me sad. Uh, I need to go. It's now it's, it still yeah, exists, yeah. Uh, but it's moved. And that's, you know, uh, that's, I did get to take my baby there uh, before they moved. So that was, good. that was good. Yeah. But you know, things are changing in Charlotte. I think it's, it, you know, it's moving on without me. That's sad. I asked it not to, but it's moving on without me. And uh, yeah, but I'll be there maybe, you know, if, if they don't uh, let me go to Brooklyn. So we'll see. But I'll be, I will be on the show. I'll be calling in if I'm in Brooklyn. I'll be calling in. But it's going to be good. Make sure you have it. Uh, make sure you have your notifications on. Really appreciate everyone for joining us here on this live show. Uh, go back and listen to the full episode because we talked about Mark Williams' thumb surgery. We talked about a lot of other things that were not Michael Jordan related. So that actually still is. (laughs) Is there anything at this point? Um, So, yeah. Uh, Thank you, David, for taking this time uh, to do this live show. Appreciate it, buddy. 
Absolutely. Wouldn't and I'm sorry for your loss. Else. I'm sorry for your loss of MJ. <laughs> it's just a, a one to one to two percent loss. Uh, I think I'll, I'll recover. <laughs> well, it's a two billion dollar. The two billion dollar yeah. gain is, is your two billion dollar loss. Um, all right. We're going to be back um, on Monday with more. David's going to join us on Tuesday. Uh, thank you so much for supporting this show. We really appreciate it. Until next time, go Hornets. Uh, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.